And I'm Gil. Welcome back. How you doing? Yes. Well, welcome back. How you doing, Gil? <laughs> I am doing well. Very excited to uh, talk about uh, this song, which uh, I don't know if it's my favorite song on the album, but it's really, really, really close. Really? Yes. I, I mean, not that I don't like it. I do <laughs> like it. Um, the song, by the way, is You Still Believe in Me, as you can probably tell from the episode title. But, um, I mean, I, I like it, but there are other songs that I just feel so strongly about and have such a strong affection for that this is, is not among them in comparison. But it's not that I find anything lacking in this song. Excellent. All right. Well, that's okay. It's a, it's a matter of taste. And that's what we're here to discuss. We're going to discuss this song today, so none of the other ones matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you still believe in me <laughs> i still believe in you oh i believe in you like uh from how to succeed exactly maybe that's where they got the idea from how to succeed in business without really trying which opened on broadway in 1963 i want to say 64 um so it was really close it was it was not that long ago it, it wasn't. And actually, Sinatra had, uh, he and Count Basie did, uh, did their I Believe in You 64. So there you go. Oh, wow, they jumped from, right on that train. From it, it Might As Well Be Swing, that album. So, uh, so it could have been in, uh, in Brian's uh, mind. In Brian's mind, yes, it's true. And maybe in Tony's mind as well, because Tony Asher... Wrote the lyrics to this. That's right. Okay. All by so. himself. It might not be my favorite song on the album, but it is an extremely important one. And its placement in the album sequence and what it represents about the album as a whole, especially if you're listening to the album in sequence, really makes a big difference. Real quickly, do people yeah. listen to albums out of sequence? I mean, I can well, see listening. I can see listening to tracks, different tracks from an album, mm -hmm. but listening to to an album out of the sequence of the songs that uh, in which they were placed to begin with makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, in the age of streaming, I think all bets are off, and of course, the album as a whole, as a unit, doesn't necessarily carry the weight that it used to. In the age of streaming now. Right. But, and... but people still compose albums, like, you know, as in compile songs into albums and place them in a specific order for a reason. Right. So oh. I would suppose that people do still listen to the I, I listen to albums in order. Yes, I do too. And anybody who doesn't, shame on you. Okay, I you know if you don't want to listen to an album, don't, don't fine. Shame people, <laughs> don't shame people for their listening tastes. I used you know like I used to be one of those judgy McJudgersons who like assessed people and and evaluated them and sized them up based on what they read. 
But at this point, I'm of the mind that as long as you're reading something, that's great. So as long as people are listening to music and, and vibing with the things that they like, more power to them. Let them do it however they want. So you just called me a judgy McJudgerson? Was yes. that? Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. That All actually, right. I, that term I will ascribe to the writer Sarah Knight. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't come up with it necessarily, but when you hear people talking about people who judge, they do say something, uh, something to that effect. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I plead guilty. Um, but there you go. All right. Just let, let people have their things, you know? Will do. Will do. They let you have your things. That's maybe. I bet there's someone out there who's like, why do you have to wear bow ties? Bow That's... ties are stupid. You know, that's, that's true. That's true. As I said, it was it was written by Brian and Tony. Brian sings lead, uh, and the the others don't take as large a role on this one as they they did on Wouldn't It Be Nice or on some of the others. Um, but they also aren't absent entirely, which is the case for a few of the songs on the album. So. Uh, the, the group as a whole is more and less prominent uh, in ways that there, there's sort of that fluctuation in ways that there didn't used to be in their work. Right. And uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. real quickly, the uh, I mean, they get they get the title. Right. They yeah. sing the title. Right. Brian, uh, you know, and yes. they join Brian in singing that uh, that chorus. But it's really just the title. So, yes. uh, you know, so that's. It's an important part of the song, I would think. Um, the lyrics, you know, in contrast to the song we've just heard, the lyrics take a decidedly darker and more contemplative turn, once again, as we'll see shortly. And that's one of the things that I think makes this song so important because because now we're sort of, okay, we've we've just had this song that explores lyrics and themes that are familiar to listeners of the Beach Boys, to their audience. Uh, and now let's get down to brass tacks and talk about the things that are really on our minds. There, there's still that connection to youth, et cetera, as we will see, but let's, maybe yeah. we should, we need to, we need to hear some things before we get too deep here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get into the song. Let's get into the first clip. Like I said, the last time about, we were talking about different pianos, like regular piano, tack piano, things like that. Right. I had not, it had not even occurred to me to wonder what effect they were using here. Cause we've got kind of this ethereal sound with lots of echo, but what's happening is someone is playing the keys and someone else is holding down. Like they've got the lid open and are holding down the strings of the keys inside. How do you, so, how do you who, who comes up with that idea? Who says, you know, hey, put your hands on the strings while I play? I'm thinking Brian. And I, I'm thinking Brian thought of that, but I, anyone who has been exposed to classical piano playing, like watching people perform pieces by, I don't know, Liszt, they're, like they're, they're familiar with the piano as percussive instrument. Because the piano is technically part of the percussion family. Did you know that? I did not. Now I do. It straddles several instrument families because it's got strings to it, but it's also got keys, but it's also got pedals. 
so so they're exercising several different facets of the piano's function in terms of okay we're going to play the keys but we're also going to depress the strings and then someone was also probably like if brian was playing the keys he was also probably holding down the pedals gotcha uh, to create that suspension of sound in the uh in the episode or in the series genius um the one about aretha franklin there's a scene Mm. in which she's in the studio um and uh, there's a pizza box on the piano and uh, at one point someone comes and takes the pizza box off the piano and when she starts recording again she says who took the pizza box off the piano get it and put it back um because Mm. it did something to the sound and i i it wasn't like the piano was open and the box was on the strings or anything it was just on the on the piano so uh so there you go so something was afoot in the 60s saying hey put stuff on and in pianos and we're gonna have some uh, groovy music being made on the upright you just have you just have your singer sitting singing on the piano there you go. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. Kind of kicking <laughs> kicking her legs up or something. And singing, the night grows dimmer. Like that. Something like that. Okay. So this, this melody, we have this series of notes, which is going to prove thematic to the song. Um, you've got the octave. It's it's in B, B major. And this this theme, this sort of run of notes includes every... Pitch, yeah, includes every pitch in the solfege scale. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. Uh, and then the extra do at the top because of the octave. So we're using all of the parts of the scale. We're using all the parts of the piano. So again, it's sort of this idea of maximalism and minimalism wrapped up in one. Excellent. And so why I can't sing it. Because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I really, really like this song. And I, I, yeah. I really like the the tune to uh to use a simplistic term and uh um but whenever i try to you know just kind of hum along it just (laughs) goes awry it goes very very awry so uh, but anyway well like if you were going to solfege it it would be do do ti la sol do la sol fa mi sol fa mi re do there you go and that's that's what uh what that would be if you wanted to get very sound of music about it (laughs) (laughs) because hey yeah all of a sudden i see i see uh, a bunch of uh, von traps gathering around uh so (laughs) there you go well and in in the grand tradition that was happening over the course of these couple decades of songs being written about and heavily dependent on the scale it's it's very it's a theme of very being very childlike and of teaching children how to do something Okay. And that theme will actually be sort of prevalent in this song. So actually, wait, wait a minute. No, don't, <laughs> don't go there yet. Go to the, I have a clip from the instrumental track that is included on the 50th anniversary edition. So hang on to the childlike stuff, guys. We'll, we'll be right there when, it, <laughs> when we get to the lyrics. Um, but, but play the instrumental clip because you'll hear, first of all, you'll hear more because they're, they're also humming those pitches over the piano in the regular track, but on the instrumental track, you'll hear just the piano, and then you'll hear the first part of the verse where something really interesting happens that I didn't notice until 
very recently, you know, preparing to create this podcast. Very cool. Yeah. So that's the first part. And I don't have the list of instruments in front of me. And so I don't know everything that's being played at that point in time. And there are more instruments added as, as it goes on, which we'll see once we listen to the actual track. But you've got this, this one instrument. I'm not even sure as, as the chord progression happens, um, you know, like, like four, four, five, one, four, five, one. What this instrument is doing is it's going up by thirds. It's going and I had not noticed that before. Yes, I agree. I, 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 that sounded new to me as well. Not something that you pay attention to when you're paying attention to the words. So do you want to play the first clip with the words? Lyrically, I find this uh, you know, kind of this open the, the the opening line. I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be. Um, I'm I I struggle with whether is that kind of physically that he's somewhere else, or is mm. it metaphorically? Um, you know that I'm just I'm not a, as far along in my career we're not i'm not as far along in in this relationship as i should be or whatever but there's a part of me because then you know you've been very patient with me every time we break up you bring back your love to me right um and is she breaking up with him has he wandered or when she breaks up does he wander and so is this one of those points where I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be. Now, I should be with you, but we're broken up, and so I'm over here instead. And, you know, whatever that might mean, right, with another person in, in, in some sort of trouble, whatever. But I'm just intrigued by the, the what, the um, vague, vagueness isn't the right term, the indeterminacy of that first line. The openness to interpretation. There you go. I had never thought of it. I had never thought of the interpretation as potentially physical. I'd always thought of it as metaphorical. Like, and there, I mean, there are themes as we go on through the album of learning how to work on yourself in order to be a good partner to someone. Okay. Like saying, you know, I need to take stock of my soul and what I want and need out of life in order to be able to give anything to you. So I think I was already thinking of it from that perspective and some from sort of the broader psychological 
meaning. Okay. Uh, so I, I mean, I have, I know perfectly well, I'm not where I should be written down as well, because I think that's just a whopper of an opening line <laughs> to drop <laughs> on people. Like, and once again, in contrast to this, this bubbly bright love song that we've just heard, this, this is intense. This is really deep water that we've swum into here. Right. But at the same time, you know, you're bringing up things that we haven't experienced yet. Right. So the other themes in the album, we don't know those yet. Yeah, that's true. Right. All we know <laughs> is that, oh, Spoiler. wouldn't it be nice? Um, and we're kind of, I sense we're, you know, we've got a couple young lovers, right. Still living in their parents' house or whatever. Um, and so here, even, even that line, every time we break up, right. That's very high schoolish, right. Or yeah. young lovers ish, yeah. right. You know, kind of, yeah, Oh yeah, we're together. Then again. we're not. Yeah. You know, kind of, uh, um, and the fact that you bring your love back to me, that would seem to suggest she was leaving, right? I'm, I'm done with this. I'm out, right? Yeah. But then after all I've done to you, how can it be that you still believe in me, right? So she's walking out, but it's probably because of something he has done or hasn't done. Um, at least that's the way I'm, you know, and once again, right, we're early in the album. We don't have anything except that first song to hang our hat on, um, our metaphorical hat, our interpretive hat. Um, and so, um, and she's been patient with me. So he's, he's the screw up. Um, and, but that's why it's that, well, I'm not where I should be. Isn't necessarily, um, you know, kind of existentially, it could just very well be, I'm, I'm in trouble again, right? I've done something. I'm, I'm, you know, and don't, well, I, you know. Yeah. Well, my question is, you know, I know perfectly well, I'm not where I should be. Who's saying where I should be? The word should is, I think, the operative word here. Is he saying that he should? Is he judging himself? Is he saying that he should be someplace? Like my therapist tells me not to use the word should. She's like, we're, we're actively working on not using the word should <laughs> because it poses an expectation on yourself that it sort of exposes an idea that you have of the way other people want you to be, but no one else is telling you to be that way. You're telling you to be that way. So is he imposing this expectation on himself or is his partner or are other people in his life imposing it on him? And I would probably say if we uh, kind of, if we are thinking this is still sort of, he's still in the same position as he was in track one, then I would think that, yeah, these are, or this is, in, you know, sort of self-imposed, but, you know, sort of reflecting the ideas of his parents, et cetera. You know, so it's his interpretation mm. of, you know, I, I because it's, I know perfectly well, right? This isn't the uncertainty of, I don't know where I, I you know, I, I, you know, and it's that perfectly well, this probably imposed outside, right? You oh, should, okay. you know, you should yeah. have gone to college. You should have done this. You should, you should be, you should have a career by this point, whatever, right? Yeah, this, um, this is, this isn't maybe if we think and wish and hope and pray, it might come true. Exactly. There's, exactly. there's more of a sense of clarity here. Right. And it's um, and it's it's sort of his owning up to. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't realized my potential the way I've been 
told I should have. I should, you know, this is, um, you know, probably, you know, you should have more hits by now, right? Dad saying, you know, you know, why don't, why don't you have the hits you used to have? Why are you, you know, why are you fiddling around with, uh, with, uh, you know, compressed strings on your uh, piano? Why aren't you yeah. writing, why aren't you writing hits? Possibly. Yeah. And I mean, uh, from, from what I've read, I don't remember where I read this exactly. Vocally speaking, Brian is using deliberately childlike choices. So he's, he's really making use of that upper register going up into his falsetto a lot. He'll do that even more later on in the song. Um, and kind of this affecting this personality that is very vulnerable and that feels very open to judgment and criticism from all sides. So I think we really orally get a sense of that as well, even from this first verse. Okay. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, let's see. Yeah, I've been very aware. You've been patient with me, and there's that you know perfectly well, very aware. Right. These are mm -hmm. are, are you know kind of very specific and and yeah, categorical. And yes, categorical expressions. Um, so there you go. And of course, looking back, um, you know, patient. When you're talking about Brian Wilson, right? You know that that's not just an adjective; that's a noun too. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, um, that's true. Uh, so you've been patient with me, uh, anyway. So, and every time we break up, right? It's, so it's very perfectly every. It's these are these are these are strong statements. Well, my next note was about actually to what extent do we equate the songwriter with the song narrator? Because, I mean, that has been a, a debate over the course of pop music's history, and especially as songwriters have become more adept at using narrative, narrative devices like the unreliable narrator or stepping into a character who espouses beliefs that they do not necessarily espouse. But here, I think, especially with Brian, the line is very blurred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, we talked at some point earlier, right? None of the, or, you know, only one or two of these guys were actually beachcombers, right? We're actually <laughs> yeah. surfers. We're actually, and so all of this is, you know, kind of their whole career is sort of a, a false front. And how much Brian had, fallen in love as as and broke up and got together when he was in high school or whatever i don't know but um but here right there is whether it's autobiographical or not it's very there's a it feels very true yes it does feel it's genuine. authentic yes and yeah yeah uh, there's an authenticity there i could absolutely picture him actually feeling this way at this time Okay, I'm just going to point out right off the bat, 
because here's your timpani girl back to tell you <laughs> that the timpani are back. Um, this time, I mean, it's very understated, especially in comparison to Wouldn't It Be Nice. It is the downbeat of every measure now. It, it's what differentiates the second verse from the first verse. Now we have this single beat of timpani to begin each measure. So All that's right. even more. It's, it's very deliberate. It's very measured. It's very, you know, step-by-step -step thought process the way the lyrics have already been establishing. So it really works very well hand-in-hand -hand with that. Yeah. And, of course, now we, uh, we get some answers to the questions that we had about the first verse, right? Yeah. Um, yeah where I speaking. should be. I'm not where I should be. Well, what you want me to be, right? I try hard to be more what you want me to be, mm. right? So it's not just self-imposed. It's, it's, these are, you know, trying to respond to that you. Um, at the same time, right? Um, this brings back the the question about phys physical place in that first line of the uh, of the opening verse. I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be with, but I can't help how I act when you're not here with me, right? So there's a physical separation, okay. and because of that physical separation. I sometimes or maybe always do stupid things when you're not here with me. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, there's that there's that sense of I need you and and, you know, and there's kind of it's a, a bit, you know, um, what concerning, if you will, that, you know, it's almost like I need you right here with me or else I do something that I, I don't, I can't be what you want me to be. I can't do what you want me to do. Um, I, and yeah, I'm not, like I, you know, I need you to hold me accountable. Yes. And I'd almost like, I need you to hold my hand to yeah. make sure that I, I do the right thing. Cause then what he says, the, the most interesting line of this verse that I think is I try hard to be strong, but sometimes I fail myself. And that's, you know, I fail myself. I'm letting me down as well as you. Yes. And what's what's interesting is, you know, there, there are different kinds of pronouns, right? And myself can be a reflexive pronoun, right? Which is, mm -hmm. which is the, the kind of the most obvious reading here. I fail myself, right? Referring back to himself, uh, it, he's the direct object and the subject, right? I fail yeah. myself. Yeah. Right? But... Uh, myself, etc., and those other pronouns like that can be intensive pronouns too, right? Mm -hmm. I try hard to be strong, but sometimes I myself fail, right? Kind of just that I fail, you know, and and the the intensifying myself, and usually it would be yeah. right after the uh, the first pronoun to intensify. It. I myself. Well, fail. and that's like if it were phrased like that, then I think that's what it would mean. Yes. Um, but I think that th they're not mutually exclusive either, right? That's, okay. uh, um, I think you can read myself here both reflexively and intensively, whereas if it were, um, if the myself were before the fail, um, it, uh, it probably would be less, it would be more obviously intensive. But anyway, uh, but, but yes, yeah, 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 so I'm failing you and I'm failing myself. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, in both of, in the first line of this verse and in this line, 
the first three words are I try hard. So yeah. it's it's this it's this continuous trying, trying toward this nebulous thing, like to be more what you want me to be. Like what what does that mean? That's not definitive. Right. No. And and, and that's the other thing, right? The def, the the definitiveness of verse one is completely gone here. I yeah. try hard. I can't help. I try hard. Right. Mm. Um, and so this is all very, this is wishing, hope and praying. It's, you know, kind of, this is, uh, I just, you know, I, I do my, I'm, I'm doing my best, I think. Right. But he doesn't wow. even say that. I'm just trying hard or not just trying hard, but I'm trying hard to be more what you want me to be as opposed yeah. to, I know perfectly well that right yeah that's 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 this is this is <laughs> this is bad relationshiping right um yeah this this uh this is redolent of codependency right here <laughs> i knew you'd have some language for me there um that's what but, i'm here for uh, that's <laughs> that the timpani and uh real quickly <laughs> If you get nothing out of this podcast except Cecilia singing the sola mi fa sola ti do whatever uh, of the uh, of the opening, you got more than your money's worth. All right, so let Look, me just say that. Dad, if you want to be a musician, you must know your scales and your arpeggios. <laughs> Thank you, whatever the little kitty's name was. Um, all right, so that was an Aristocats, that's, that's uh, Aristocats illusion. Teaching her children how to be proper artists. Yes, yes. Once again, right. the childlike thing. Can I just say that my my colleague, whom I meant I mentioned before, the Californian who made the surfing illusion. Yes. Also, once introduced me to a room full of people as all the Aristocats rolled into one. <laughs> Even Thomas O'Malley, excellent. See, see, right. Right. see I, I, I know, right? I'm, I'm positively rakish. That's right. Yes, and uh, real quickly, if you were going to, if if someone were going to con con uh, compare one to a Disney film, that's 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 up there. Uh, to be that's quite honest, one, yeah. you know, yeah. I I'm, unfortunately I do not have Phil Harris's voice. You that can would blame. Only, I always I always say I would never trade my voice for anyone's. But I might trade my voice for his. <laughs> Phil Harris. This is so great. See, what are the odds? I bet you that no other discussion of uh, of the Beach Boys has ever mentioned Phil Harris. I, I don't know. Just... A lot fewer discussions on the whole mention Phil Harris than should, <laughs> because he That's... is significantly underrated. But real quickly, don't use the verb should. Oh, there no, you go. There you it's, go. It's See? Not a, that's not a verb, Dad. Oh, it's not. Should is not a verb. Yes, it is. It may be a helping verb, but it's a verb. Shall, should, would, could. Aren't those conditional? Well, it's but it's, it's well condition. Uh, conditional is a is a mood. It's not a it's not a part of speech. I didn't realize that should was a verb. Should's a verb. I should know that. Like yes. like if I say I should know that, no is the verb, but should is also a verb. Yes. Huh. The more you know, kids. <laughs> you see the lyric. The thing I like is you've got uh, the last two lines. Uh, sometimes I fail myself. 
and after all, I promised you so faithfully. Well, you've got the uh, the I rhyme, if you will, of fail and faithfully, right? So that mm-hmm. F-A-I, um, and it's very prominent when you kind of see it. And so you see that faithfully behind the fail or that fail behind the faithfully, depending on how one looks at line, mm. uh, you know, kind of consecutive lines. But anyway, um, it ties, you know, ties those two things very closely together. And maybe the failing is that um, I promise you so faithfully, but I am not as faithful as I promise. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I so, can't live up to these promises that I make right. You. Right. Because at the end of the first verse, he ends the first verse by saying, and after all I've done to you, you know, uh, some, yeah. someone, you know, perpetrating something or subjecting someone else to something. It seems like he has hurt her in some as yet unspecified way. Here we have an after all I've promised you so faithfully. So maybe the promising is what hurts her. Maybe it's I, I make you all these promises, but then I end up being unable to fulfill them. Nice. Yes. Right. And so we saw the two I tries in verse two, but also um, a bigger connection after all, after all I've, you've got those two things tying the two verses together. So you've got the internal things that tie the, the intraverse, but then here you have the interverse uh, ties as well. So yeah, a nicely, nicely um, composed lyric here. Uh, Oh, and then another uh, instrumentation choice on the you still believe in me in this in this verse. We have the bicycle bells. Yes. Um, um, And are they bells or are they horns? Or have we heard the horn There's an an air horn that comes later. Okay. One One of these is accidental. And I'm pretty sure like one of these was not supposed to be in the track originally. And I'm pretty sure it's the bicycle bell. Which is funny because then obviously Brian liked it, so they kept it in and made it rhythmic, like fit it into the section. And I'm listening to these bells. I'm thinking, well, if there were any more bicycle bells, it would be Queen. <laughs> bicycle. All right. So, well, should we listen to that uh, that section again one more time? Oh, sure. Yeah. Can we do that? Can we do that. which once again maybe evokes a a simpler time yeah and and i i do think we're not necessarily um we're 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 not dealing with full-blown adults right yeah um you're in high school you still have a bike you know even if you have a car that you uh, cruise up and down the street uh, looking for uh looking for uh girls um you probably still have a bike at home that you uh that you use um so but yeah you've got these these sort of 
people who are they're like they're outgrowing their youth they're outgrowing their sort of high school identities but they're not full-fledged adults so they're kind of in this nether space they're occupying this limbo they're not really sure where they fit in and so it can heighten the risk i suppose or increase the odds of sort of feeling this this alienation that our current narrator feels and and feeling this inability to meet the demands of a relationship or of anything else that is sort of a marker of maturity and successful adulthood. And is it odd that our chorus, our refrain, our title, which, and, you know, the fact that the title is the chorus is not unique at all in any way, shape, or form, right? That's very standard in, in a lot of songs. But is it odd that it's just sung once in the chorus right normally if you you know even if it were just the same line repeated three or four or five times um but here it's just you still believe in me i don't think that's odd and i don't think it's an accident at all oh i, I think got... this this chorus is meant to be a stabilizing force you know you've got this meandering melody this like kind of going all over the place and then this, and, and it's in, you know, eighth notes and, and other 16th notes sometimes. And then you've got these long, stable, you know, harmonized notes that, that make up this chorus. It's, it's, it's literally a home to come back to at the end of each verse. I don't know. I, okay. <laughs> all of this it, to say, it, I don't know why they don't say it more than yeah. once. But it, it wor that works, right? That's, but it and, does and, work. yeah. and it's not like they only say it once. They said it twice. They said it at the end of the first verse, too. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's uh, and it's the title. So, uh, but that's good. And actually, real quickly, little uh, to, to, I like that idea of the wandering and then coming home. Mm -hmm. um, real quickly, a little early American literature, the, uh, the captivity narrative of Mary Rowlandson. It is about uh, this uh, 17th century uh, Puritan woman who's uh, captured by the Native Americans during Prince Philip's War, and she's held captive for uh, several weeks. And when she gets back, she writes this narrative, uh, basically thanking God for rescuing her. Um, and it is broken up into removes. And, uh, and so every time the, uh, the Natives moved camp, and she was brought along with them. It's that's that's a, a new section. So the chapters are removes. But the basic theme is stand still, and in, this is uh, this is quoted several times. Stand still, and uh, you know, kind of put your faith in God. But so um, so all this motion of the narrative is basically saying, well, that doesn't matter, right? All that motion doesn't matter. It's this, it's this stillness, standing still. Um, so, so I just felt that same, same, uh, I was reminded of that by your, you still believe in me. That's the, uh, that's the anchor. That's the coming home. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's, Little... that's the same vibe. Those okay. energies apply, I would say. <laughs> Phil Harris, um, also... Mary Rowlandson, um, the Beach Boys. Yes. Also, Prince Philip's War. Man, Prince Philip was really old. <laughs> Good job, man. <laughs> for that long? Different Prince Philip. Or, sorry, it's King Philip. You're right. There you go. King Philip's War. So there you go. Philip's War. Okay. Philip, uh, yeah, anyway. And that was, of course, his, uh, his, uh, the name the English gave him.
Okay, so here we have the return of the opening theme, this time sung vocally. And I don't know why they both do it, because Brian does it and then Mike does it. And I'm pretty sure that they only do it twice just to demonstrate how wide their collective range is. Brian's like, I can go all the way up here. And Mike's like, I can go all the way down here. And I could, I see no other like practical reason for them to do that other than just to get it in the listener's ear again because of the way they're going to kind of do a variation on it next. Well, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you kind of, you had that, um, what I find a very attractive, a very appealing, very beautiful theme um, without words, right? At, yeah. the, at the beginning. And so, um, and remember, we're, we are writing pop songs. Right. And and so you want people a, a good pop song is one that you can hear and sing along with by the end. You know, that's the, and, and that's why you repeat the chorus, because you want yeah. people to you want people to be singing your song by the end. You want them singing along with you. Um, yeah, but and, this and, demonstrates that the chorus doesn't necessarily have to be the part that you sing along to. That's true. That's true. Um, and, uh, and so this gives you something, this gives you something else, but also, right. Um, given that the song's title is you still believe in me. And that's the thing that, uh, you know, the, the, the piece that you're supposed to be hanging on to, if you will, or that's the thing that gives you hope <laughs> it, here. It ends the beautiful, the beautiful theme at the beginning is now I want to cry. And does he want to cry because it's so beautiful that she still believes in him, or does she want? Does he is he crying because he's failed himself because um, he's he's not been able to live up to those promises? So is this is the cry for is is the cry a good cry or a you know that's good and bad? Sorry, it's very judgmental. Um, no, but, is, I, is, but I don't think those have to be mutually exclusive. Okay. I think it can be, you know, I, I wish I could be better. I wish I could do better. And also, I'm incredibly grateful to you for having mercy on me. So I, um, I think it can be both. I think you, you don't have to be crying for positive or negative reasons alone. Okay. All right. Take um, it from someone who's done a lot of crying <laughs> in her life. I'm an expert. I, ex I took AP crying. <laughs> <laughs> got a five on that test eh uh, yeah but it, you know but but yeah it brings back and, and now it puts words to it so that uh you know because for 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 those who who need words to go with uh their their notes um here we go and we have it and but you're right i kind of it, it seems odd that uh that mike's there solo um in that second uh second time around but um, is well here, okay. If Brian's use of his high register is meant to suggest youth, mm. is Mike there suggesting, you know, kind of aging? So uh, is Mike's deepness suggesting, okay, this uh, this young lad's growing up, he's maturing, he is mm. becoming a man. Well, you know, that actually would be fitting because Mike Love has managed to look 40 years old his entire life. <laughs> you know, he was my age. He looked 40. 
he's he's you know much older than you at this point. He still <laughs> looks forty. So they really should have been the Beach Boys and Beach Man. Uh, um. So well, here's a question. Kind of uh, a little teaser for next week. Not that we're finished yet with this one, but uh, is the the next track that's not me. Is that gonna is uh, is that uh, a more mature a more mature um, theme um, sort of thematic exploration? Yes, absolutely. Okay, oh, I, I have so much to say next week. That's, okay, that's All right. one of so, my favorite songs on okay. the whole record, and it was the. I mean, I I won't get too much into it now, but that was the one that made me think. You know, within the first couple listens, as I was first getting familiar with the album when I was very young. I'm like, okay, this is a good album. And because of Mike's presence on that one, I think you're right that that is, that is perfectly intentional and that it makes a big difference. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Okay, so, we'll the tra- so, so, so Mike's in there for Transition. And is it an air horn or is it like a uh, uh, a bike horn kind of thing? You know, with the little maybe it's uh, a bike horn. Yeah, I mean, I you know, kind of uh, you know, those little with the know. rubber with the rubber ball things yeah, that just squeeze little, and yeah, because yeah, an air horn would be more of a you know kind of uh, so. But that's just beautiful. Maybe Tell I'm me that. Of, no, but that's not. Um, I was going to say maybe I was thinking of Highway 61 revisited, but that's like a police whistle. <laughs> So, woo, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but oh yeah, I mean those—that's what we came for. Those are the money notes. And the fading outs. You think that it's over, and then it yeah. comes back. Yeah, the the um, false ends. But yeah, so I you know I I don't really have much to say because it's just uh, you know the the last clip right, which gave us words to the opening. Um, mm-hmm. now just gets even fuller, right? Um, richer sonically, um, and, uh, and we're back to no words, right? It's just, yeah. it's, you know, yeah, it's so. it's just a syllable. It's just an open awe. Right. Um, so, uh, but anyway, it's and just. like when you listen to the harmonies and like, I don't have the isolated tracks of the vocals that like, like I plan, I planned on having those, but then those were suddenly made unavailable to me. So, um, but when, when you're listening to the vocals by themselves, you hear kind of each voice adding on and filling in the chords and then the chords move. Like they, they descend in thirds in the way that that instrument at the beginning was ascending in thirds. So we've also kind of got this, what goes up must come down quality to it. Uh, and just the fact that no no note in the chord is left unaccounted for. They're all moving. They they're all they know what distance apart they are from one another, and it it makes a chord. It's like Bach. It's like all a right, right. And the fact that we now have have kind of set aside the "I want to cry" and are just expressing it here, right? 
um, without that language, it's just beautiful art, right? He's he's yeah. he's he's channeled these emotions, the 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 weakness, the uh, the belief, the love, the uh, sense of failure, whatever. He's channeled all of that into this cantata, right? And uh, and that is that's the that's the victory right so whatever happens with this relationship whether they stay together or break apart or whatever um in some ways that no longer <laughs> that no longer matters because of this beautiful sound or we we can get a sense or we can assume from the fact that when people chase excessive amounts of external validation from their partners or, or friends or whomever else in their lives, their superiors, that they don't really think a lot of themselves and they don't have a lot of faith in themselves. So could this final wordless movement be a sort of declaration of faith in himself? Yes, because you know what? I'm, I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be, where you want me to be, where you thought I'd be or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But this is where I am. Right. Mm. This is where I am. And hey, um, maybe this isn't going number one, um, you know, like uh, those earlier hits or whatever. But you know what? This is where I am. And um, I'm I'm this is this is look at what I've created. Forget about where uh, I should be or where, quote unquote, or where you want me to be. This is this is what I'm doing. Is this song? This song really isn't. If you think of 1966, really not um, radio friendly, right? Right. Because wait, wait, what's the name of the song? Right. Uh, you still believe in me? I I don't even remember hearing that. Right. You know, because uh, yeah. they didn't drive it. Drive it. Um, it sort of ends and then doesn't. Um, it's a. It's it's. Capitals thinking, well, I can't really, we can't release this. This isn't a, this, this isn't a single. Yeah. This isn't a single. Give us a strong chorus. Have them singing along at the end and just going, ah, whatever. Um, isn't going to, that's not going to do it. Right. So right. Um, I know perfectly well where I'm not, uh, I'm not where I should be. And maybe that could even, hey, you know what? This could, that could even be, you know what? I, you know where I should be. I should be in Japan with the boys. Mm. Yeah, and I'm it, not. it could be very literal. Um, and I'm aware you've been patient with me, right? That I, you know, I, I freak out on planes. But then you come back, right? And and you still believe in me. You're still, at least until you hear some of these songs, then you're going to kind of be questioning. <laughs> um, but anyway, but so so there's you all sorts of stuff now. going on here. <laughs> <laughs> that would um, be an even worse title than right. Capital Five. <laughs> Yeah, that that sounds that sounds like a good take. And as as your other daughter, my my sister Celeste pointed out when she and I were discussing the movie Love and Mercy, these other guys coming back from Japan and kind of jumping into this project that they that their their bandmate has clearly thought a lot about, but they they aren't really paying that much attention to. She's like, show me a group of more checked out emotionally unavailable guy <laughs> <laughs> they're like yeah brian man great job and I, like i wonder how true to life that was i wonder how the sessions after how the dynamic was we know how well, it was with mike love but i wonder how it well, was with the rest but of the i you know i mean you, you would think i mean given 
that you know, way they began, right? The way they began as a family group, et cetera. And mm. I'm sure they grew as musicians, right? Because of all the play. You can also imagine, right, coming back and, you know, they're probably still getting the, still not enjoying the road and still enjoying that performance. And then to come back and sit in a session where um, Brian's spending lots of time on small, what they would consider small sounds, small details um, that you're not even going to be able to hear. I could see that it's kind of like, you know what, Brian, let us know when you need us and we'll be here. Um, mm. And there are probably different levels of, of tolerance too, right? Yeah. Um, you kind of get the sense that, that Mike was first to check out and say, listen, um, this isn't this isn't our sound. Why are we doing this, et cetera? I'm off. Let me know, right? Uh, yeah. But others would be more forgiving, more more tolerant, more whatever. But you could imagine all of them at some point saying, "What do you need me for?" Right? Yeah. And I, I'm not hearing the difference between take five or take fifty. Um, and so um, that so I you can imagine that's like. Just let us know when you when you want us to sing, um, and we'll be here. Um, but do we need to be here for all of this other stuff if you're going to spend this much time um, doing it? So there's one thing when you've you know, once again to to bring in the Beatles, right? It's one thing if you've got you know four people and uh, um, and George Martin all adding things and suggesting things or whatever, um, or even if you just have two, right? But if you have one and all these other people, right? right. The other people are going to, you know, what can I add, right? I'm not hearing what you're looking for. Or even if I can, I have no idea how to get there. Um, and so, but I, I don't just want to sit in the studio having you say, let's do it again um, to the uh, musicians out there. It's not even me playing, you know, necessarily. Right. So... Um, and speaking of the other people, can't believe I almost forgot to mention this. Hal Blaine plays the finger symbols. Oh, there you go. The finger this, symbols. This is the one. All you right. can't necessarily hear them, but they're there, I promise. <laughs> All right. So that was a, a promise from, I think, episode one that uh, think, finger yeah. symbols. Yes. So I do deliver on the promises that I make you. All right. So excellent. That's <laughs> Mostly because my promises are I will look up the information on the internet and it's right there without my having to do anything to find it. And I want to cry. <laughs> okay, do you have any more, uh, any final thoughts on this song? Because, I mean, you're, you're really winning me over with this. Like I okay. said, it wasn't that I didn't, I mean, I, I liked it perfectly well before. Uh, I liked it, I liked it perfectly well. <laughs> Uh, but but I like it even more now. You're Excellent. Really, well, you're really getting me to your side here. All right. Yeah, because I just I, I really do. I, I like and and real quickly, I've never spent, you know, until we started doing this, I've never spent that much time with uh, with Beach Boys lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm appreciating that more and more. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the 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 melodies, the lines here have uh, always grabbed me and uh, I like it even more now. And I hope, 
I hope that uh, the people listening to the podcast um, that, you know, kind of are, are thinking, thinking about these things too now and uh, coming to their own conclusions. Yeah. About King Philip's war. <laughs> well, now you have to keep it in. So there you go. Right. <laughs> or else it's going to make no sense at all. So well, <laughs> that reference. done i am done too I, I don't have any more notes so so ends my notes and so ends uh the other thoughts i have so, uh thank you all for listening and until till next time i'm gil and i'm cecilia and please still believe in us <laughs> <laughs> that is my prayer <laughs> bye everyone <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Pod Sounds. We're glad you're here. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find us on Insta at pod underscore sounds underscore podcast. You can find me at CM Giglio, and you can find Gil at CT Halfwit. I've been your co-host and producer, Cecilia Gelati. See you soon. <laughs>